Going Linux, Episode 256, Assistive Technology, an Introduction. Welcome to the Going Linux Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and its applications and using them to get things done. In today's episode, an introduction to assistive technology for desktop computers. Welcome back, Bill. Thank you, thank you. I had to take a little break to take care of some matters, and I tell you what, it's been hot in South Carolina. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah, it's been hot here in California as well, more so than normal in the summertime. And uh, it's routinely, for this past week and upcoming week, in triple digits, like 100, 104, 108 in some places. Hot, hot, hot. Well... It's not been that hot here. It's been in the 90s, but see, we have something you don't call it humidity. Yes. <sighs> when it's running 70, 80, 90% humidity, it's just miserable. So I'll take your heat anytime. Well, I don't know. that I've been in uh, you know 90-degree weather with uh, 80% humidity, and it feels like 104, 105. <laughs> so. Yeah, I was in California a couple, well, about three years back now and uh it was uh 90 degrees felt great to me it's like wow this is nice yeah you know because there's no humidity right so, exactly well with humidity yeah. i know you can take a shower and as soon as you step out you feel like you need another shower <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it and so yeah we've uh been uh suffering the high humidity we just got a break a couple days ago so everybody's like oh we only got 60% humidity. This is wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, so much for the weather report. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, again, welcome back. And uh, I have to ask, since it's been a while and you might have switched, what distribution are you running? Which one was I running last time? I think it was Arch, or maybe you had switched from no. Arch to something else. I I forget, quite frankly. It's been a while. I, try, I tried Arch, and it hated me. It yeah. still hates me. No, uh, I think, well, I'm running Sabion on my Mac right now. Okay. Um, my other computer is at repair, and it, it's running, I think it's also running Sabion. But, of course, they had to send the computer back uh, because it had a, a, a Linux hard drive in it, mm -hmm. and they wouldn't do any repairs until I took that hard drive out and sent it back to them. Oh, of course. The, the operating system on the hard drive is going to affect the repairs, I'm sure. Well, yeah, so I said, okay, so two screws and two more screws, and I put it back in the FedEx box and sent it back to them. And, of course, they're now waiting on a part. I'm like, okay, waiting on a part. I hadn't heard that in a while. But anyway. <laughs> they couldn't order the part while they were waiting for you to take the hard drive out now. Yeah, so of course they want, they they originally said hey, this has Windows 8 on it and because uh -huh. uh, I had upgraded it. Yeah. And I said, yeah, well, do you ever have the original disk? And I'm like, yeah, I have the original disk. So I said, but that's Windows 7 so they're not really compatible anymore. Right. And I was thinking for a while they were going to get me to, they wanted me to re put it back factory. Of course, you know, they they didn't, but they were just like, oh, well, we have to see if we can do warranty work on it. And I'm like, okay. Hmm. So 
Uh, they they did, but oh, it, was, it was funny that they sent thing back just for me to take out the hard drive because I wouldn't do it. Yeah, that's well. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's some liability thing that they're protecting. It's a hard drive. Against. Yeah, I know. I know, but you hey. don't even know it's there until until you open it because I've got it set up to boot. You have to actually hold a certain key to get that drive to boot. So oh, okay. So it. it wasn't the only hard drive in there. It was no, no, oh, man. no. There's two hard drives. One, one, com- one completely Linux and one completely Microsoft because I didn't want to to mess up my Linux hard drive. Hey, that's funny. Using Microsoft to mess up. Yeah, it would. Yeah, yeah, you never so, know. So I just I like to leave it alone, and uh, so that's. Of course, I had a bunch of podcast uh, files on that uh, podcast I was supposed to have done a couple months ago. Of course, all the files are sitting on the hard drive, sitting on my desk. So. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's kind of the way it goes. So uh. anyway, that's how my life life's been pretty good. Um, you've been busy, I'm sure. Yeah, we've all been busy, and uh, let's get busy doing this episode, shall we? Yeah, I want to ask you a question though before we get started. Sure. Where did you come up with the idea for the assistive technology uh, episode? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've been working recently with Jonathan Nado of the. Uh, Accessible Computing Foundation to help out with the Sonar Project, doing a few odds and ends here, uh, helping with the the website and uh, providing some documentation and various other bits and pieces. So uh, I, as I've been digging into Sonar, uh, which of course is a Linux distribution that has assistive technology pre-installed, uh, I've been getting a lot more familiar with what assistive technology uh, is available for Linux, and I thought that would make for a good podcast episode. So here it is. This is the introduction. Okay, so what is assistive technology? Uh, Assistive technology is known by several names. Accessible technology, adaptive technology, rehabilitative devices, accessible computing, assistive devices, and more. Yep, and uh, whatever it's called, it's designed to provide assistance to people with disabilities and impairments to help them to improve or maintain the capabilities that their condition is preventing them from doing. Depending on the specific technology, it can be designed to assist with mobility, like wheelchairs, walkers, and prosthetics, emergency response, sensors, alarms to alert caregivers of a need for assistance, no or low vision, like refreshable braille displays, screen readers, and screen magnifiers. Hearing, like sign language, hearing aids, and amplification and closed captioning. Communication, like speech synthesis, speech detects, and speech generation devices. Cognitive, like technology designed to assist people with cognitive impairments due to dementia, stroke, mental illness, traumatic brain injury, and so on. For this and our next user experience episode, we will focus on assistive technology in computing. Yeah, and in particular, we'll focus on assistive technology that can be used without the need for expensive software and assistive devices, uh, and that can be used on almost any desktop or laptop computer. So assistive technology is much broader than just computing. Um, as you can tell from what you just said, Bill, but uh, we're going to focus on assistive technology for computers. So 
What is assistive technology for computers? Well, first of all, one of the categories is a screen reader. And you can get screen readers for audio and for braille for people with low or no vision. There are many, many screen readers available for computers. We have a link to a Wikipedia list in the show notes. Right. And some individual computer applications like the Adobe Reader provide a screen reader for use within the application. But to be truly useful to someone with a disability, a screen reader must be available through the operating system within every application or program that that operating system runs. One of the most popular for Windows is JAWS. It is extremely expensive, must be purchased and installed separately, and works only in Windows and DOS. On OS X and iOS computers from Apple, VoiceOver is provided at no charge, is available in many languages, and is pre-installed. For Unix-based operating systems, Orca is a free open source screen reader that is available in most Linux repositories and works with GNOME, KDE, and Unity desktops. Yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't work with the increasingly popular Cinnamon desktop environment. Cinnamon is notably inaccessible to screen readers, and in fact, the Linux Mint team removed the Orca screen reader that was in previous releases as they began to adopt Cinnamon as their main mm -hmm. desktop environment. Really unfortunate. Yeah, this JAWS for Windows, uh, do you just have to buy it once, uh, or do you have to continually, uh, do you have to pay for upgrades, or do they give you upgrades for life after you buy it, since it's such a special, specialized piece of software? You know, I don't know all the details behind JAWS, primarily because I don't use it, and don't use Windows either, but mm -hmm. um, what I do know is that you do have to purchase it. It is pretty expensive. I expect that they do have upgrades to it. I don't know whether they charge for it or not. Uh, maybe some of our listeners do, um, but um, I, I can imagine that if you uh, switch operating systems, like go from Windows uh, Vista to Windows 8, that you would probably have to either upgrade or purchase a new version of JAWS for the new operating system because of compatibility and various other things. And uh, I don't know uh, whether they charge for that or not. So hmm. let's uh, see if any of our uh, listeners can provide some feedback on that in either our feedback episode uh, or uh, on the Google Plus community. Uh, just leave a post there if you know. Yeah, well, I know um, since I own a Mac and you know I like the Mac OS. It's 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 not Linux, but it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, voiceover is a nice feature that they offer. Right. Uh, but I'd be kind of interested to see how it compares to Sonar and its integration. Yeah. Uh, what I do know about the comparison between Voiceover and the Orca screen reader that Sonar uses is that the voiceover has a lot more polish to it. Uh, it may not have the same level of depth as uh, Orca does, but uh, the voices, for example, sound a lot better. The uh, Orca voices at this point sound... Um, like a robot. Yeah, they do. And uh, in speaking with Jonathan, I know that um, 
the the uh, sonar team is working with the orca team to improve the quality of the voices mm -hmm. uh, and so for someone who is moving from uh jaws or from voiceover and beginning to use orca it may sound right now like they're moving back in time because of the quality of the voices uh, but that will be addressed shortly and certainly the quality of the voice is not a reflection of the quality of the screen reader no. software so uh, you know it's it's quite capable it's just needing a little bit of cosmetic uh, improvement in the way it sounds for uh, for users of Orca. Well, that just it's just amazing that uh, Windows doesn't have something like that, and you can get it free on uh, Linux. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it is, and it's also free on OS ten. So you know, I'm I'm surprised yeah. that the the folks behind Jaws can make so much uh, money doing this sort of thing. Uh, when it's available for free for other operating systems, yeah. There's so many people that need help, uh, and you know, computers are everywhere now. You really can't do anything without a computer. It just seems it should be almost mandatory to have uh, assistive technology built in. Right. Well, and a lot of computer uh, operating systems do have some sort of assistive technology, uh, like screen magnification and so on, which yeah. is our next topic. Windows has that. Yeah, uh, and so they do provide that sort of thing. It just seems to me like the folks behind JAWS are taking advantage of the disabled folks and charging through the nose for software that, quite frankly, without it, uh, using a computer for a blind person is impossible. Uh, yeah. You know, well, doesn't the government usually pick up the tab for most of that? Uh, from what I understand, uh, and where I'm getting my information is primarily from uh, the Accessible Computing Foundation and from what Jonathan mm -hmm. has told us in, in interviews and so on, is that yes, uh, there is assistance available for purchasing JAWS, but it's not available to everybody. And uh, there may be That's some sort good. of limit on uh, how many of these um, licenses per year a uh, is available through some sort of government assistance. That's not good. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's not a perfect world by any stretch. And uh, yeah, I think the folks behind Jaws are taking advantage of the fact that you know the government is paying for this, which means that we the citizens are paying for it, and uh, just elevating their prices because they can. Wow. All right, let's move on before I get upset. That's 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 terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway. It is. Uh, our next um, assistive technology example is screen magnification, and that's something for people with low vision, typically. Uh, and if you are a low vision user uh, and you require screen magnification, most Linux distributions either have magnification already built in or available in the accessibilities options in their software repositories. And once you have the magnification turned on, you can zoom in and zoom out on the screen, typically with keyboard shortcuts. In some distributions, you can uh, use the mouse wheel while holding down a key on the keyboard to zoom in and out. So it's built in automatically mm -hmm. to uh, most distributions in Linux. Actually, I haven't found one that it wasn't. I mean, I, as many distributions I've tried, I've, you know, I've 
used that feature quite a bit, you know, as I guess I'm getting old, so I want to zoom in, you know, get off my lawn here. <laughs> yeah, I, I but, know uh, uh, Comp is uh, one of the screen, um, uh, one of the desktop special effects programs uh, that was very popular for a while before a lot of the modern desktop environments came to be, uh, had that as a setting uh, in one of their features and I used it a lot in the early versions of Ubuntu before Unity and I guess the Unity interface is one of the few that still use that Compiz feature out of the box. I think uh, many of the other desktop environments have it built in in other ways without having to use uh, 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 Compiz but uh, certainly Compiz is still available and if your distribution doesn't give you screen magnification or settings for it, uh, comp installing Compiz gives you a lot of different features and effects and all kinds of things not the least of which is this screen magnification using the mouse scroll wheel. Uh, the next category is a font for people with dyslexia. The Open Dyslexic font is designed to increase the readability of on-screen and printed text for readers with dyslexia. Open Dyslexic is not pre-installed on many distributions of Linux, but it is available for easy download and can be added just as you would any other font on your computer. In the documentation for Open Dyslexic, the author explains your brain can sometimes do funny things to letters. Open Dyslexic tries to help prevent some of these things from happening. Letters have heavy weighted bottoms to provide an indication of the orientation to make it more difficult to confuse with other similar letters. Consistently weighted bottoms can also help reinforce the line of text. The unique shapes of each letter can help prevent flipping and swapping. And it's cross-platform, so it's not just for Linux. It's it's a font. You can install it anywhere. Huh. Okay, our next area is head and eye tracking software for people with low mode skills and amputees. If your computer has a camera installed, or if you add one with head and mouse tracking software, you can use it to control the mouse cursor. In combination with an on-screen keyboard, this will allow people with low motor skills to navigate the software and use the keyboard as well. Right, and one example of this kind of software is something called Enable ViaCam, and they abbreviate that to eViaCam because Enable ViaCam is quite a <laughs> mouthful. Um, uh, it is mouse replacement software that moves the computer's pointer as you move your head. And of course, you need the camera to be able to see your head. So you can customize eVia Cam to fit your specific needs uh, pointer speed, motion acceleration and smoothness, dwelling time, and many other variables can be adjusted. Well, doesn't uh, Stephen Hawking use something very similar to this? Uh, yeah, I've seen um, some of the videos of his software. I don't know whether it's Evia Cam that he uses, but uh, yeah, it's it's that kind of thing that you've seen in those videos. And and uh, his condition is one of those conditions where, without uh, head and eye tracking software and an on-screen keyboard. And as well, uh, something that we haven't got on our list here, which is uh, macros of a sort or um, uh, what what on the Mac would be um, text expander. 
uh, on Linux, there is a, a software available called AutoKey that does this uh, in combination with Evia Cam and the camera and uh, AutoText. You can certainly use a computer much more efficiently if uh, you have low motor skills and can't move quickly or can't use a physical keyboard at all. Uh, and the eye and head tracking software helps with that and the auto key type software allows you to press a couple of uh, keyboard buttons and type an entire pre-recorded paragraph if you want to so uh, that that's the kind of stuff that uh, uh, is is available and it's great stuff I think he has ALS so it affects it affects his you know, his motor skills and stuff it doesn't apparently doesn't affect the 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 brain so it would be frustrating that you know you can't move very well or you can't move at all and but you you can't communicate so uh just think about that you know that's why it's important to have this technology right exactly als muscular dystrophy uh or even amputees uh oh yeah that that's where this technology comes into play and i'm sure there are many many other conditions that uh would benefit from this kind of software then, of course, we have uh, on-screen keyboards for people who have low motor skills and experience difficulty using a keyboard. An on-screen keyboard can be used with head and eye tracking software, a touchscreen, a mouse, a trackball to navigate to the keyboard on the screen. So it's kind of handy. You can, you can use just about anything to interact with the on-screen keyboard. Right, exactly. And um, on Linux, it's uh, usually available within the uh, accessibility software. And if not, it's a quick install to install that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. So now this kind of assistive technology is not just for the disabled. Uh, certainly all of these assistive uh, applications can make computing possible for someone with a disability, but you certainly don't need to have a disability or be disabled to use accessible software and features. For example, screencast producers use screen magnification to highlight information in an instructional video. Yeah, and I've used a screen reader to improve my retention of books and study materials in school. You might consider keyboard shortcuts to be assistive technology as well. Many of us use Control-C, Control-V, Control-P every day to speed up our computing by eliminating the need to move our hands from the keyboard to the mouse and back. Right. All of those things uh, are some examples of where you would use what would be considered assistive technology even though you're not disabled. So it's it's definitely something that has a lot of valuable for any computer user. Yes. They just need one for, for me so I don't keep murdering words all the time. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what? If I come across anything like that, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And um, so we've talked about what assistive technology is. We've talked about why it's important and given some examples of why it's important for uh, people with uh, specific disabilities and why it's not just for the disabled but I think that one of the best people to describe why assistive technology is important specifically for the disabled 
is Jonathan Nato. Jonathan is the executive director of the Accessible Computing Foundation, and we're going to play some excerpts from some of the interviews that we and other folks have done with Jonathan uh, and uh, have him describe what assistive technology is and why it's important uh, in today's environment. So here we go. For the listeners to the podcast who don't know what Sonar is, can you give us a little description of what Sonar Linux is? Sure, yeah, no problem. So Sonar is a uh, Linux distribution focused on assistive technology, uh, also known as adaptive technology or accessible computing. So what all of that means is basically Sonar is solely focused on being usable by people with various types of disabilities. Um, so out of the box, if someone downloads Sonar and burns it onto a DVD or puts it on a USB stick, if the person is completely blind, they can install Sonar with no sight of help. The, 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 the installer is talking, the Orca screener comes up talking right away in the live session, and you can click on install, and they're off to the races, and they can install Sonar, reboot the computer, and then this you know blind person can start surfing the Internet, you know, checking their email, doing instant messaging, uh, writing documents... Uh, listening to music, you know, using Gpotter to download podcasts. So, I mean, they, they can do everything short of, uh, you know, editing video. There are 360 million blind people in the world. 90% of those people live in developing countries. They're not going to afford proprietary assistive technology that's extremely high priced. These people need something like Sonar to use their computers. And if these people these 360 blind, uh, million blind people and 90% of them are in developing countries, they most likely don't have jobs either. They'll be able to create their own jobs with either doing support for Sonar or they could start to teach themselves to learn how to develop and develop software for Sonar or develop other assistive technology. They could have training classes on how to use Sonar. Like I said, the, the sky is really the limit with Sonar, not only bringing accessible technology to people around the world, but also giving the opportunity to create jobs throughout the world. And that's what's great about free software. That's why I, I believe that accessible technology, assistive technology, should be based on free software because that is the kind of difference free software can make, especially with accessible technology. As we wrap up this episode, here is a list of accessibility options we will describe how to use in our advanced episode. Orca Screen Reader, GNOME Screen Magnification, GNOMES or GNOME on-screen keyboard, and what are the last two, Larry? eViaCam had an eye-tracking software, and the Open Dyslexic font. We will also dig a little deeper into an entire operating system that comes with all these features pre-installed, Sonar. Right. You can look forward to that in next month's user experience episode uh, but our next episode will be computer america so until then you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes as well as links to download and subscribe we are the website for computer users who just want to use linux to get things done and if you'd like you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our going linux podcast google plus community until next time, thanks for listening. 73.
Theme music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.